Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sportacos Football Stories podcast. I'm your host, Craig Resnick Hansen, and today I'm joined by Phil Ham. Phil is the editor of TWTD in Ipswich Town fan site and message board. Phil's been the editor over there for a long time, since 1995, as well as also working for various other outlets, including the BBC. He's a sports journalist with years of experience and a long-suffering Ipswich Town fan. Let's hear what he's got to say about the town. Hi, Phil. Thanks so much for coming on. How are you doing? I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. If you hear any sort of loud dragon-like grunts or snores, don't be alarmed. I've got my French bulldog, Winston, on the floor here next to me. Uh, My wife and daughter are away, so I'm in charge of him on my own, so it can't be helped. But hopefully, you stay nice and quiet. Um, Phil, we'll get into it as we normally do with everyone. The, the, The first question has to be, how did you end up supporting Ipswich Town? What's your Ipswich story? Well, I was born not. Oh, I was born in Ipswich. Not very, Ipswich isn't very big, so wherever you're born in Ipswich, you're not very far away from the, the football ground anyway. Um, but my parents moved to Suffolk from Essex in the early '60s, and my dad was a Tottenham fan, and they moved in '62. Uh, so she's '61. And Tottenham had just won the double, hadn't they, at that point? 61-62. Sorry, 60-61. And so my dad moved to Suffolk and he started watching Ipswich. And, of course, Ipswich won the league that year. (laughs) And he did that thing that no one's supposed to do, change clubs, because I don't think he ever followed Tottenham, partly because his twin brother's a Tottenham fan as well. So I think it um, meant that there was a bit of uh, rivalry between the two of them. Um, Yeah, so he he went from being... uh, a double winner with Tottenham to um, a, a first division title winner for the first time with Ipswich in his first year watching Ipswich and never looked back. So inevitably, um, when I kind of started getting interested in football, Ipswich was the club that I supported. And I understand that you are um, 
a journalist doing a lot of work for various newspapers on the BBC and so on. Did you do that? Um, you know, did you go straight to university, straight into journalism? Was that something that from an early age you were not only an Ipswich fan, but also a football journalist? Well, yeah, I mean, this strangely, um, when we were about seven or eight, um, the Cubs were we were given a tour of um Portman Road. And we went on the tour. Anyway, after we went on the tour, um, the Arcala said to us that everyone had to write an account of it. Um, and that the best one would go into the parish magazine. And um, so anyway, I wrote mine, everyone else wrote this, and I was surprised to discover that I won. Um and so my first published work on Ipswich Town was at about the age of seven. Um, <laughs> you know, the Jesuits say about, you know, give me a boy at seven and I'll I'll show you the man. Well, uh, quite literally. But my kind of path into journalism wasn't um, as far from typical in that um, I did social, a social science degree and um, finished the social science degree. And then one of my mates who's also finished his degree was kind of offered the chance to run what was then those were the days, the fanzine. And uh, he sort of mentioned this to me in the pub one night. And I said, well, because we're both not really a bit directionless in life at that point, you know. And I thought, well, I'll do that because it will be a bit of an opportunity to write a few things and get a portfolio together, that kind of thing. Um, so we started doing that. And then, of course, the web, the Internet happened uh, only really a year or so later. Well, I'd gone back to university again at Leicester to do sociology and sport. And um, so TWTD, as it sort of is now, sort of took off from there and then. Within a year or so, I started doing a column for the Evening Star here, which lasted about 15 years in the end. Um, TWTD started making money at one point, uh, eventually, and, two th- and in 2000, I went sort of full-time on that whilst freelancing for, then for the Star, and then doing bits and bobs for other people. Irish Examiner did quite a lot of stuff for them when Roy Keane was manager and Mick McCarthy was manager and people like Daryl Murphy and David McGoldrick were here and then, and Stephen Hunt and Noel Hunt. And then, um, yeah, did the BBC show with uh, Kevin Beattie and Mark Murphy was the, used to be the BBC presenter, the breakfast presenter at BBC Suffolk, did that for about 11 years. Then we got, and and then latterly Terry Butcher took over after uh, Beat died. Um, and then we turned that into a podcast sort of once the beat, when the BBC dumped us last summer, dumped us along with a lot of other people and, uh, so, yeah, so that's where we are. Really. I'm just doing and, and also doing stuff for Suffolk News now, which is like the West Suffolk paper for or has traditionally been the West Suffolk paper, but looking to make more of a kind of uh, fan Suffolk kind of uh, impact. And so, yeah, so that's that's my uh, path towards where I am now, really. And so is everything that you're covering for all these different publications all Ipswich or are you ever covering other teams in the region? I've not really done very much on other teams at all, really. My entire career has been <laughs> covering Ipswich, really. Um, yeah, I mean, at the moment, obviously, I'm just doing the, the podcast, the stuff for TWTD, and um, which is shared with, some of it's shared with Suffolk News. Um, so, yeah, so not really, we, we, on the, the BBC um, show, we used to kind of get a lot of non-league uh, stuff in, particularly on non-league weekends, you know, when they were uh, non-league weeks, when... Uh, during international breaks and whatever, we used to kind of, uh, we did one or two shows from um, non-league clubs. Uh, Barry, I think we did one from there. Um, but yeah, I'm a bit kind of uh, Ipswich-centric, really, in my kind of uh, journalism and my, uh, my my general outlook, really. Well, this is lucky because it's, you know, probably one of your biggest passions, I would imagine, and you get to cover it almost exclusively. Um, one of the big crossovers on our podcast is you know fandom and sports journalism and where they intersect 
Would you say that it's easy for you to separate who you are as a fan from who you are as a reporter when you're covering Ipswich or has that been a challenge? Is it less of a challenge now than it used to be? How has that sort of evolved over time? It's interesting. I've done bits of sort of freelance. I did a report for the Sunday Times, Irish Sunday Times once. Um, and it, it, it's a different, there is, there is a, yes, it's, it's, it's quite, it's very different because you've got to think about the opposition far more, haven't you? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that uh, I think in that instance, Hull City supporters were the, uh, the opposition that I was, I was sort of also writing about. So, yeah, so I, I think I write my reports because I've been doing them for 20 odd years from an Ipswich perspective. So I think there is a big, um, big difference in, I think, I think it's, um, I think as you get older, perhaps it, it's easier to be more dispassionate. I think that's true. I think um, I can probably think back to uh, when I first started uh, doing it and perhaps when I was writing the column for the local paper, being a bit more kind of uh, one-eyed as it were, whereas now I think the older you get and a bit more kind of, uh, uh, and also perhaps because I've been out of the, um, I'm not on the terraces now. Do you know what I mean? I'm in the press box. And so, you're in that different environment, aren't you? And 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 I think that the the environment you're in, to some degree, colours the way that you see a game. I think if you're in a very passionate situation where everyone's screaming at the referee to give a penalty every two minutes. Um, uh, yes, yeah, so I, th- I think, but it, yeah, I think it is definitely something, and I think that's something that I am reasonably decent at doing anyway. Though, do you know what I mean? And and I think I can. Um, I think people do sort of say that I'm uh, not not um, one eyed particularly. That I that I do kind of give an honest uh, and a kind of more balanced assessment. I'd like to think I do anyway. And people have said this in the past. So um, so yeah, and that's kind of what I aim to do. Really, I don't not aim. To to um to be uh, cheerleaders uh, for the club or cheerleaders for town. You know, if we lose four 0 and we're terrible, then I'll say we've uh, we've lost four 0 and been terrible. <laughs> it hasn't been the referee's fault. You know what I mean, um, something that we don't often get on our shows, a story that um we don't often see the likes of. Tell me about this ban that happened during the Paul Lambert days. It seems like you were banned from the press conferences. What was that all about? <laughs> Well, it was, I think, largely due to a manager under pressure. It was being badly advised by some people at the club. Um, an owner that really had kind of lost his way. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I've generally had a pretty good relationship with the club going back to, I, mean, I think, the first press conferences I went to were on, when George Burley was manager. So, I mean, that's obviously quite a while ago now. Um, and, yeah, it, it's basically, it was... The so someone posted the team from a match on the morning of a game. It was a game at Lincoln, and um, and that they obviously had inside knowledge of what the team was. And someone at the club made the mistake of mentioning this to the assistant manager rather than giving me a phone call and saying, "Phil, can you remove this from the website?" And so you got manage a manager and an assistant manager who were a bit belligerent at the best of times, but were entrenched by that stage because there was pressure on them you know it's not an easy job being a manager and being a manager of Ipswich at that point 
when we're in League One and we're treading water in League One. Um, and so I think they, they they felt that there was an element of everyone being against them, which I don't think was true, really. Um, but anyway, they weren't too very... Anyway, so I got called aside after this game at Lincoln and um, had a bit of a chat with Stuart Taylor, who was the assistant manager, and thought no more of it. I thought, I said, look, I re- apologies for it. I've told the person involved that, you know, the, in no way is this helpful to anybody and not to repeat it again. And they kind of apologised and all this. Um, so anyway, I thought the issue had been resolved. And then on the Tuesday night, we're playing Accrington at home. And it was a couple of days after my 50th birthday. And so that night, I, there was a, a thing in the programme wishing me a, a happy birth, happy 50th birthday. Um, anyway, at halftime, I was called aside by the press officer and told that I was banned from press conferences. <laughs> so, so, happy um, birthday. Yeah, so there's exactly, yeah. Um, so... Um, which I thought was ridiculous and all the other media sort of stuck behind me saying, you know, it's ludicrous to ban and press particularly. Usually when someone gets banned, it's because they've written something. Do you know what I mean? Journalists something that they've written. But in this instance, it was someone and which I'd have obviously removed and told them that this was a load of nonsense. Anyway, so I kind of kept this quiet for a couple of weeks because... I didn't think it was going to do anybody good, any good to kind of for this to be out there sort of thing. And actually the club were, were, despite banning me, were actually quite helpful and they were providing the audio from the press conferences and all that kind of stuff still. (laughs) Um, So we weren't actually kind of losing out massively um, other than just not being there. And um, when did that get resolved? Was it when there was a change of management or? Well, yes. I mean, there was, it got, it went, we kept it quiet for a few weeks and then we lost, I can't think what the, what the game was, but we lost quite convincingly to someone we shouldn't have lose, lost quite convincingly to at Portman Road. And um, one of my colleagues tweeted, you know, this is getting ridiculous. This is not only we're we losing, actually we're banning journalists and all this kind of stuff. And it went viral. Anyway, it, it kind of went viral in an Ipswich sense. Um, and um, there were kind of free fill ham campaigns and all this kind of stuff. And it was, I it saw was the very good. Yes, it petitions and things. Yeah, it was really gratifying. Uh, actually, it was like having your own. It was like being at your own funeral. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> to some extent, like, kind of all the things people were saying, reading your own obituary. And um, yeah, anyway, um, and I, at, in this, at the the day that it kind of all broke, um, it was made public. I actually bumped into Paul Lambert and um, Stuart Taylor in the car park. And I said, "Look, this is now." people will know about now know about this you're getting loads of stick why not kind of you know just draw a line under it and move on and they were you know sticking with it I said you know tell us who it was and you won't and and until then you won't be won't come back and I sort of told them I, I sort of knew who the person was in a kind of message board sense but I didn't know them as an individual sort of thing and but anyway they were they were they said oh you know who it is you know them you bring it and it, it got it was just ridiculous really um and um Anyway, they, they, they were, uh, it was only a matter of time before they were going anyway, really. Um, and eventually they went and then we had another strange, by coincidence, it was the away game at Accrington. And um, I hadn't had, I'd had nothing to sort of tell me that any situation changed. Paul Cook was sat a little way along from us. Um, this was, this was during lockdown, of course. Um so Paul, Paul Cook was the incoming manager who was watching his first game. He was sat down there. Um, Matt uh, 
Matt, um, whose name will come back to come to me in a second, was the it was the assistant one of the assistants. He was um he, he he was in charge, and then just for the end of the game, um, I kind of I sort of said, oh, "Am I all right to come down now that it's all changed?" And he said, "Oh yeah, it's fine now. I've been told it's okay, and everything you know just moved on from there." And uh, and and since then, that was that was probably about March, February, March, twenty twenty one, and then we had a takeover in April twenty twenty one, and so. You know, most of the people involved have moved on, really, and um, so the, and, and the and the ownership since are, are very keen to foster relationships with everybody, and um, I suppose we're sort of still seen to some degree as fan based media, as as you say, there is this kind of yeah. putting both camps sort of element to it. Um, but I think I've seen perhaps more as a journalist than a fan under the new um, ownership than perhaps I was under the old ownership, because I think there was always this kind of Oh, you're only a fanzine type view from some people in the club, but I don't think I've ever had that at all since the new ownership has come in. And so uh, things have moved on significantly, really. It's an increasingly complicated thing nowadays. I think the more and more fan media out there there is, that the sort of intersection between journalism and sort of fan content. But um, I wanted to ask you about the days in League One, which have only just come to an end. Um We've spoken to some, you know, Sunderland fans about this. I'd love to speak to some Sheffield Wednesday fans about it to get sort of different perspectives on, you know, a traditionally huge club. Um, not to say that any of the other teams in League One aren't big clubs, but you know what I mean? A, a club that the perception is they shouldn't be down there, like Ipswich, Sunderland and so on. Um, you know, some fans from the outside, obviously it seems like, oh, it must be, you know, it's, just terrible a nightmare but i've spoken to some fans who are like you'd be surprised actually there's sort of some kind of positives to it um what was your experience with ipswich being down in league one overall but how would you sort of sum up that era of the club i do remember phil hay you know who works for the athletic we played leeds last game of the season before we got relegated and he said it'll be all right for one year (laughs) (laughs) it was a bit of an adventure and I think he's probably right in that, that, um, that you go around to new grounds and there's a bit of excitement. The other thing is you, you get relegated and it's all miserable. But, of course, there's a positive side. of it. There was a lot of um, positive singing the day we got relegated or the day we uh, relegation had been confirmed a few weeks ago. But uh, but following our final game, we, did, we beat Leeds. And so there was actually an element of positivity. And everyone looked to League One and thought, well, well, here we go. We're going to win a trophy. You know, this is uh, we're fighting for something, which we hadn't done for a couple of years. So... Um, but it quickly, but reality quickly sets in, you know, and, um, yeah, it wasn't a good experience. We started the first two seasons pretty well, and I think we felt we were on the way to something, but then performances drifted. Um, I think we were found out to some degree, and I think that the manager didn't really have, uh, an idea of how to, to change things. So I think frustrations with being in League One and having to go to places like Accrington and Fleetwood and uh, Morecambe and all these places that are a bit, you know, some of us grew up in an era where we were playing Barcelona. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> so I I mean, felt... we don't want to say any particular words, but yeah, that these grounds are a bit, yeah. Yeah, I think we just felt, <laughs> and, 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 and we weren't, and we were losing at places like Accrington, you know, there was suddenly from... Um, well, not suddenly, but over a period of time, Accrington were kind of 
we were having a bit of a sort of uh, they, they were almost like a kind of rival in a way, which was just Ogie ridiculous. <laughs> given the well, it, well, yes, exactly that that we we kind of failed to beat them on a number of occasions, even if we hadn't necessarily lost. And um, so yeah, so I think it just felt like a frustration, really, that um, we were at this level. Um, we were we, we were treading water. The owner, Marcus Evans. I had lost his way, really. I mean, he came in in 2007, and at that point, he would have been a, he was a relatively wealthy owner by championship standards, and we had a real shot at getting into the Premier League using his money. Well, of course, he appointed the wrong people. He appointed Roy Keane as a manager. As a manager, um, it didn't work out, and then by that the time he appointed Paul Jewell, even which was only 20 months later or something like that. The division had become much richer and I think it was too rich for him. And um, he either wasn't willing to risk the, the sums that were required to get us to be contenders in that division or he didn't have it. And anyway, at that point, and we're talking probably 2012, something like that, really. Um, I don't think he really knew what to do with the club. And um I think he liked being an, a football owner and I think he liked the player trading side of it. I think he liked that kind of, you know, sort of raw business side of things. Um, but I don't think there was any real strategy in running the club. Mick McCarthy was there and Mick was, um, Mick was a manager who was capable of getting the team to punch above their level. Um, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. But you know, above the level of the of, of the of the financing of the club, which he did for a few years. But if your approach is based on that, you have a bad year, and you 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 go down. And and that's ultimately kind of what happened. We had a bad year. He made he got they got rid of Mark, of Mick. They brought in Paul Hurst, who was a disastrous appointment. Um, I think was um, wholly unprepared for championship. Football, I think what he did probably worked and his approach worked in lower league football as it's I mean, actually shown since, hasn't he? Again, with Grimsby previously. Uh, and um, so, yes. Yeah, so anyway, so he, he, he got to that point. Um, 
which is ultimately <laughs> landed us in in League One. And at this point, at least when we we're sort of treading water in League One, that's kind of when fans started to become a bit more belligerent. Um, it wasn't. We were never in the kind of situation that you see at other clubs where bills aren't being paid and that kind of thing. So you or, or perhaps like Reading at the moment where you end up with fans on the pitch every week. It never reached that point, but there was just this kind of people were were voting with their feet as much as anything. Crowds were down, you know. Just, in 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 reality, you're probably talking about crowds for some midweek home matches of below ten thousand because you obviously they count season ticket holders in the in the uh, attendances at those games. Well, uh, a large number of season ticket holders won't have been at those games. So attendances were increasingly low and the, the general feeling around the club was was low. So League One was a great, uh, was, was, was a factor in that, but it was probably the preceding decade that also had uh, a, a role to play in that as well. But yeah, so we ended up in League One and then um, we had the takeover and then Paul Cook came in and never really got going. He made his famous uh, um, demolition man comment in the press conference, which was to me. I mean, I asked him a question, which was um, it's just something along the lines of kind of he, he kind of made it clear he didn't really rate many of the players that were already there. So I made a comment along the lines of, uh, well, you know, will one or two of the younger players get a, a chance? And then he went into this spiel about it. I'm going to be the demolition man. Everyone's going to be gone. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and low, the summer was gone. They brought in 19 players. It didn't really start off particularly well that season, which is, you know, he's obvious. You know, teams don't tend to start seasons well when there's they're, they're, they're kind of pretty much all new faces. Um, but he wasn't the appointment that the ownership made. It was it was Marcus Evans's appointment, and he didn't. He wanted to be a manager in the traditional sense, in the way that Mick McCarthy was a manager, in a way that. Bobby Robson was a manager to a to, to a degree, that old style manager, John Lyle, that sort of. Um, but the new ownership, they've got the the modern structure with a head coach or the chief executive kind of thing. You know, it's so it's. It, it, I don't think it was a happy. Uh, I don't think it was an ideal situation. And um, when things didn't go well, I think that the ownership were prepared to give him time because obviously. Paul Cook had got a, a CV which had shown that he was able to get clubs out of League One. But I think once it started to go poorly, he was probably given less time than if he had been their appointment. And I don't think he'd have been their appointment, if you see what I mean. They'd have appointed a, a modern head coach in the the in in the uh, the mould of Kieran McKenna, who they did ultimately uh, appoint in December 2021. And I think that the mood... I think the mood lifted to some degree with all the the signings and the, and the and the and the and the takeover, but it lifted further with Kieran McKenna coming in, winning his first game against uh, Wickham. Then I think he won his second game away at Gillingham four nil, and we were, you know, playing very attractive football. You've got a manager who was um, open and honest and um, easy to deal with from a from a media perspective, and. I think playing football that was that's and this is not to say that the, the same wasn't with Paul Cook, but um, playing playing football with a philosophy that it was kind of part of the 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 kind of mythologized Ipswich way um, that that kind of back to the Bobby Robson era and George Burley era, Jim Jilton era, um, and, and so everyone's kind of been behind the project ever since, and we we we, we didn't. Uh, do enough to reach the playoffs in that first season. But then the second season, we started terrifically well. Um, 
I had a bit of a wobbly spell around Christmas, a bit like this year, but then we're like a juggernaut on, on I think it was 13 wins out of 15, wasn't it, in the in the latter stages of last season, um, to kind of plough our way. Plough is probably the appropriate for <laughs> to plough our way to, to automatic promotion. And so, yeah, so I think League One was a... I suppose it was a yes. I suppose it was a game of two halves. League One. It, it, there was a sort of first half of it. it. Was four seasons in the end. I think wasn't it four yeah. seasons in the first half. It, we, we felt like we were treading water, going nowhere. Um, but perhaps to some extent, it was something we needed to kind of a reset. Jolt the club. Yeah, jolt the club. I don't think the owners would necessarily have taken over if we hadn't been in League One because I think they were looking around for a club that was in a position where it was a level below. Where it was, they probably got it cheaper than and the whole. I mean, the, the ownership of the club in the main is a pension fund, so the pension fund wants to make money ultimately. So it was looking for what was a bit of a bargain they could invest into, and then and, and take forward. And that's what they've that's what they've done. And now, obviously, we find ourselves fourth in the championship. Which I was talking. We did a podcast last night with Matt Holland, and he said, "If you'd said to me a year and a half ago, we'd be on the." In the in the fight for a for a um, promotion to the Premier League, I wouldn't have believed you. And I think you know, it's very true. It's, we've we've come an awful long way in a in a relatively short space of time. Football is a crazy thing like that. It can change so quickly. How um, obviously you have seen a lot of highs and lows during your time following the club. How does this season rank? Would you say so far? Well, very highly. I think I, it's interesting. I, I kind of. We got promoted in 2000 at Wembley to the Premier League, and subsequently that the next season we finished fifth in the in in, in the Premier League. Uh, no one had given us any, you know. We, I think there were. I wrote a book years and years ago about it, and I found some cuttings from journalists who said um, that Ipswich got promoted, and and. Uh, it was almost would they? Reg- I don't think the phrase was used, but would they re- come to regret it when they're losing eight one somewhere? At, you know, and I thought at the time, I know people who put bets on us. Not you know the bets you get where it switched to win the title plus fifteen points or whatever that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Thought, well, we'd we'd actually we'd been pretty much third fourth in that in in the champ in the what well, it was the first division then wasn't it for a number of years. So we had an established team and we were, yeah, we were very good. We were very good at that level. I think we were exceptional. We were unfortunate perhaps not to get automatic promotion. Um, And so I think that amongst fans, there was this kind of quiet feeling of expectation that uh, funny if we talked to Matt Holland about this again last night and and him, I asked him exactly that. What was his thoughts before that season? And he thought the same thing that they were, you know, quietly thought we're quite good. Do you know what I mean? We 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 don't think we're going to be cannon fodder, as it were. And I think this feeling was similar this year when we went up that we'd been so good in the second half in League One, and also last season we played two Championship teams in the FA Cup and we beat Rotherham four one at Portman Road, and we took Burnley, who were runaway leaders, weren't they? Runaway title winners. We took we drew nil nil at Portman Road with a, a, a slight a weakened side, so it wasn't our first team. I mean, their side was probably weakened to, to a degree as well. Um, and then at Turf Moor, they beat us in injury time. So 
So you knew you could of, mix it in the championship. So we, yeah, so we've got this kind of evidence that, well, actually, we, we've played championship sides and we've not been outclassed by them. And then we played Preston in pre-season. And, and I missed that game. But we, we from all accounts, we dominated. We beat them 2-1, but th- their goal was kind of scrambled in the last five minutes when, you, you know what friendlies are like, we'd made 15 changes. changes by that point. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, so... I think that there was a confidence going into the season and an expectation that we'd probably um, be around the playoffs. I think that was what most people saw us as, as, as playoff challenges. You know that we could we could um, we could probably be among those five. And I think that would still be that would have been seen as a successful season because you you don't expect to come up a division and then start challenging um, for automatic promotion places. Um, particularly in the championship at the moment, with the parachute payments um, skewing yeah. things so far in favour of those clubs that have come down. And I mean, with actually, the likes of Leicester, Southampton, and Leeds. I mean, you really assume that that's the top three there. Really, the rest of the division exactly. Is... You you think you you're going to struggle to 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 do better than them. And and actually, I still kind of expect those three probably to go up, but we'll see how things progress but we've given ourselves every chance so yeah so we won first day at, at Sunderland which I mean they were in the playoff final last year weren't they and um and um so yeah and we we, we were uh, we won but we won it was interesting because it wasn't a typical performance from the previous season the previous season we had absolutely we dominated games and you know the opposition were getting kind of 23 percent possession and were just sort of spending their entire game sitting in their penalty area, just trying to deny our space to grind it out, you know. Um, but we were playing a team that actually tried to play football against us and um, and actually had more of the ball, and, and yet we won. We looked dangerous. Uh, though they had all the ball, we looked dangerous, and we scored two goals. It went 2-0 it went up. So I think that gave us a lot of confidence. Um and then I forget what the second what the second game was now, but off the top of my head. But anyway, we obviously got into a. We suddenly started to find ourselves in a groove where we were the momentum from the previous season. We were taking that into games and into the games this season, and um, we really we've not we were in the top two, weren't we, for pretty much September to last month. Um, which yeah, I know you say that. from your perspective, um, you know, from a much more insider perspective, you you sort of you expected to be in and around the playoffs. But for, for, as a more sort of casual observer, sort of from the outside who isn't following the championship and League One um, so much, it looks like an um, like an outrageous achievement from McKenna. I think the average fan is like, oh, my God, how on earth are they like where they are when they just came up from League One? Uh, but even though you had an idea that you might be in and around, you definitely couldn't have imagined that you'd be. I mean, in the first half of the season, it was like you were going to win the league, or you were you were know, challenging Leicester at least. You were up there in I the know. top two, and points totals of you know two point something a game. You know, it's just phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, it's remarkable, and and also you know remarkable from Leicester and 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 Leeds and and Southampton as well, because I think someone said. To me yesterday, I think we've, we've got 63 points at the moment or something. I forget that um, in 31, yeah, in half of the 31 last seasons, we'd be top of the table. Some some stat along those lines. It's like that, when Liverpool lost the title to Man City or whatever. If you were playing against normal opposition, you'd be running away with the league. Yeah, yeah. I think if it was a normal season, we'd be top. I think that's 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 the that's the kind of uh, 
the underlying uh, point. So, yes, I mean, I think, yeah, we clearly, Kieran McKenna has done a remarkable job. Um, but it's, it's dropped us- off a little bit now. How, yeah, how is I- the atmosphere, though? Is, is the atmosphere still, because, you know, fans can be very fickle. Uh, sometimes they, you know, at the start of the season, it's, God, if we're near the playoffs, that's outrageous. And then you give them this suite of, you know, winning every game every week, and yeah. then all of a sudden you have a little dip, and it's, why aren't we winning every game? Is the Are the fans still staying realistic? Yeah, I think so. Well, the majority are. There's always fact. Expectations change, as you as you say. Um, um, and I think sometimes you kind of forget, don't you? That you forget that in August we'd have been happy with a playoff finish or even challenging for the playoffs. Now, of course, we've we're kind of expecting, uh, not expecting, but the we've been in and around we've been in the top two and so we've dropped away from the top two but um i think there's i mean then that shouldn't take away from the fact that it's been a remarkable season and i think most people realize this. um and and and, and the, the, the the dodgy run the dodgy run i think we lost we lost to leeds and leeds pretty um took us apart leeds uh, at, at at Ellen Road, um, and, and um, we lost at well in the first half. Gave ourselves two games. Do you know what I mean? It's, we've we've lost four. I think we've lost we've lost twelve games in a hundred in the league or something like that. Some ridiculously low figure. Um, and um, and. Um, but anyway, so so we lost two games in draws, and there are factors behind that, and there are positive results in that. We drew twice with Leicester. Um, not many teams will draw twice with Leicester this season. Um, and both those games, we, we were the side that were finishing strongest, looking for a winner in those games. Um, we beat Sunderland again at home in that in that period. So it's not as if we've had a a wholly fallow period. We had a couple of games over Christmas where we had a, a number of injuries. And we drew nil nil at home with QPR and nil nil at Stoke, which were games that we should have won. Uh, if you look at where the two where the teams are in the in the, um, but those but they were individual circumstances really. I think those those and they, they came at a difficult time. We lo- we lost we, we lost a few players to injury. Um, Stoke probably we would have beaten if they hadn't gone down to ten men. But I know that's a funny way of. Uh, looking at it, but they all they did was defend. Yeah, they at that dig point. in. Sometimes it's harder to play against ten men. The cliche, it, it, isn't it? Exactly. That, that, and I think we were we we struggled in that game because and and I still think that's the kind of approach that is most effective against us, which a lot of League One teams tried. Is is just a, the the low block as they call it now. And um, so anyway, yes. Yeah, so um, so we lost at Preston, and then we drew two two with. West Brom at home again, another game that we finished very strongly and probably should have won. And and actually, West Brom had beaten us earlier in the season, and again, deservedly beat us earlier in the season. Um, but I think the game down here showed that we'd improved. And then um, Tuesday night or Wednesday night rather, went to Millwall, and we 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 beat them four 0 without really having to get out of second gear. They had a decent spell at the beginning. We took over. Um, and then really picked them off as they made mistakes. And then the second half, um, second half was was thoroughly dull, really, because we was we saw it out so professionally. With some, you know, in that circumstance, you want a dull half, don't you? Do you know what I mean? You just see it out, and 
and and uh, with with no um no no panic whatsoever got a, no a injuries no nothing exactly. to report make your changes and um so yeah so it was a uh, yeah so i think we feel and of course we picked up a point on we picked up two points on southampton because they had a dodgy a, a, a poor result the previous night at bristol city so and i think so it's getting around to kind of where we were i think that um we we've had a, a more difficult period over christmas and since christmas uh, fixtures wise perhaps than southampton and leeds have had um but we're now into a period of games millwall was the first of nine games against teams that are, as of going into Tuesday's games all of those teams were in the bottom half well bristol city have now leapt into i think 11th or, or something they're like all that. below you that's for sure so yeah well they're all lower lower or mid table um teams so we've got a bit of an opportunity now to to push on in the manner that we did last year it's funny because we had a period last year where we we had we had one win over one win in over christmas um and people start to sort of get a bit oh dear, this is get you know it's getting a bit worrying because there were the two teams above us then south sheffield wednesday and plymouth but obviously we finished like a juggernaut well i don't Imagine we're going to finish in quite that way. I don't see anyone winning 13 games out of 15 in the championship, but you never know. This year has been a bit like that. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so we've got, we're off to Swansea tomorrow, who lost 4 0 to Leeds in midweek and don't have particularly good, uh, aren't in particularly good form at home. So you could see us winning that. And then Rotherham at home Tuesday, Birmingham at home the following Saturday. So, you know, I think we're looking at it and thinking, well, here is the potential for putting a good run together. Um, and you think at some point Leeds and Southampton would have difficult spells. Um, so, yeah, I think we've we've got to kind of, I think if we um, match Leeds and Southampton at the moment, and we obviously got Leeds Southampton at home to play in at the end of the nine games that I was mentioning, the, the, the one after that is Southampton at home, and then Southampton and Leeds play each other final game of the season, don't they? So, um, which I works out moment, well for you. Which works out very nicely. So, yeah, I think kind of it's in our hands at the moment, but it will be obviously be very tough because we've got these two other teams that are in remarkable form and really have players who largely have been brought to play in the Premier League and probably see them as Premier League. We're not bringing Italian internationals off the bench as they did when they played us. <laughs> um, um, so we've given ourselves as good, a, a good chance. And then, of course, if we don't make automatic promotion, then there's the playoffs and... As we've seen in the past, uh, anything can happen in the playoffs. But still, you'd you'd kind of, I think, you'd give us a decent shout in the playoffs, I think. Absolutely. Of course you would. Well, Phil, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Thank you so much for coming on, sharing with us a little bit about Ipswich, especially this season. Uh, We've got our fingers crossed for you. Do you want to drop a little plug for TWTD before you go? Where can our listeners check out the stuff? Yeah, I write for twtd.co.uk, which is, you know, Ipswich Town News and Views. Um, uh, do the Life's a Pitch TV podcast with uh, Terry Butcher and Russell Osman, Mark Murphy. Um, guest last night was Matt Holland, but we've had people like Kieran Dyer, James Scowcroft, Marcus Stewart, George Burley. Um, I don't want to forget anybody that, that will feel insulted now. Laurie Civil, <laughs> uh, Pat Goldbold, who was the um, PA to Bobby Robson and Sir Ralph Ramsey. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, plenty of people from town's history. And Connor Chaplin was on as well, one of the first one. Cole Skews, Luke Chambers, there you go. So you can uh, you can catch up on their thoughts on uh, the town, town, on various town eras, uh, uh, past and present. But yes, it's... Uh, 
I think it's a it's a very positive era at the moment for Tan, and uh, um, I think we're kind of still hopeful we might make those 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 one of those top two places. Fingers crossed for you, Phil. Thank you. Thanks again so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sports Across Football Stories podcast. We really appreciate you listening. If you like the show, please share it with a friend. If you really like it, please leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. This really helps us out a lot. We had a lovely time speaking to Phil today, and we can't wait to bring you more tales from football fans, journalists, commentators, and much more in the coming weeks and months. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the next episode of the Sportacos Football Stories podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.